Listen while the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Welcome to the Comic Web's old-time radio podcast. Each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. Comic Web sells old-time radio programs, comic books, and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episode. This week we have Richard Diamond, the bald head case. Listen while the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Rexall family druggist with a welcome from the 10,000 independent druggists who have made the word Rexall part of our own store names. We've done that because we recommend and sell the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. Like Rexall Milk of Magnesia, for example. Here's the milk of magnesia that's so pure and creamy smooth, so free from that unpleasant earthy taste, even children spot the difference. Ask for the Rexall Milk of Magnesia at Rexall drugstores everywhere. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Now your Rexall family druggist brings you a transcribed half hour with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. I'm a detective agency. With camels who know their detectives best, it's diamond two to one. Ricky? I won't admit a thing. Last person who called me Ricky saw me stuck in a bubblegum factory. Whole deal blew right up in my face. Ricky, this is Pat. I'm in trouble. Bad trouble. Somebody steal your last name? This is Pat Stanton. Pat Stanton. An old friend of several years standing. Blonde, attractive, and the owner of a plan to eliminate cranium luster. To the aging juveniles of the world's biggest city... She might easily be called the mother protector of hairlines. In other words, like the sign says in the front of her uptown salon, she grows hair. You've just got to come down to the place. Honey, I've graduated. You told me so yourself. Another treatment, and I'll be wearing a snood. Ricky, I'm on the level. I'm in trouble. Something's happened to one of my customers. What's the matter? Did he sprout feathers? Well, almost. He sprouted wings. He's dead. Now, phone games with Pat weren't a hobby. She might kid a customer about the condition of his scalp, but when she called me to say she had a corpse on her hands, I knew she hadn't been sampling her hair tonic. I told her I'd be right down, call Helen, broke my date, locked the office, set a few traps for impatient clients, and 15 minutes later I was in Pat's office talking to a pretty frightened little blonde. Oh, Rick, I just didn't know what to do. Oh, now, honey, first calm down. Now, who's dead and where? A man named Wiley. John Wiley's on the vibrating table. Why didn't you call a doctor or the police? Because I think he's been murdered. Murdered? Looks like his neck's been broken. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid of calling the police. Well, baby, if one of your customers got his neck broken in here, you're going to get mixed up with the law sooner or later anyway. The publicity will ruin my business. Honey, murder always ruins something. You got any idea who might have done it? No. Well, who was in the place when you discovered the body? My usual three girls and two customers. Anybody leave or come in? No. 
How many people know about it? Just the girl. Neither one of the customers. Oh. Well, first we'd like your front door. I don't want anyone to leave. Then we'll take a look at the dead man and find out if his neck really is broken. If it is, we call homicide. We lock the front door and Pat let me down a hall with booze on either side. And through the booze, I spotted the customers relaxing as girls in white uniforms worked on their receding foreheads. At the end of the hall, we stopped at another booth, enclosed by a white curtain. In there, Okay. The vibrating table was centered in the middle of the room, an enclosure about six by 14 feet. The table was built in an angle, so that when a patient climbed up and stretched out on his back, his feet were elevated a good 16 inches above his head. The angle and the vibration increased the flow of blood to the scalp, and under normal conditions, it's considered very healthy. But the man lying on the table now wasn't getting the full benefit of the treatment. His shoulders extended over the end of the table, leaving his head hanging down at a grotesque angle, rolling from side to side with a monotonous rhythm of the vibration. Oh, Rick. Not very pretty, huh? I forgot to turn the table off. I think I'm going to faint. Just take it easy. Is that right? You had to be. A circus rubber man would need vulcanizing if he turned his head that far. Busted neck, all right. Guess you better call the police. Can you keep the customers out of here? What if one of them gets inquisitive? Tell them the table's out of order. I'm going to call homicide and tell them Mr. John Wiley's in the same condition. As frightened as she was, Pat played it pretty well. She tipped off the girls and started swapping jokes with their balding clients to keep them happy. I went in the office, put in a fast call to the 5th Precinct Homicide, and ten minutes later, Lieutenant Walt Levinson and Otis, his trained anthropoid, were looking at the late John Wiley. Sure looks like murder. I guess it would be better if he had a knife in his chest with a sign on it. Who was in the place when that happened? Pat, three girls, two customers, and a dozen assorted gates. Oh, for Pete's sake. Pete has an alibi. What was the dead man doing on the table, anyway? Trying to grow hair. Oh, that's silly. Who ever heard of anybody growing hair on a table? <laughs> Sergeant Lovelorn. Well, I thought it was pretty funny. Go out and round up everybody in the place and take them into the office. Then call the precinct and get the coroner down here. Then, if you're a good little boy, you can go out and play in the traffic. Well, a murder is a mess any way you look at it. A man lying on a table with his neck broken. Four women and two men, the only ones around when it happened. Bad publicity for a nice little working gal named Pat Stenz. But you can't hide it when it happens. Someone gets killed, someone gets hunted. And everybody concerned gets mixed up in it. Walt herded everyone into the office and the questioning started. The men were very unhappy. That bad publicity it couldn't be helped. Mr. Robert Wells, songwriter. Look, I don't know anything about it. I never saw the man before. Surely you can't possibly suspect me. Why in the world would I want to kill him? It's ridiculous. And the other, Mr. Jacob Green, jeweler. Oh, my goodness. My head is still wet. John Wiley? I never saw him before in my life. Not in my whole life. Hey, Pat, give me another towel, will you? Kill him? For why? I got a mother-in-law. First things come first. Yes. <laughs> now, you see? You see? My back I'll catch from Jay. Two prosperous men, two prosperous denials. The girls came next. Three girls who worked for Pat. First, Mary Carroll, the girl who had worked on John Wiley. 
The one who had helped him up on the table and massaged his neck and forehead for five minutes. Sure, I put him on the table, but I left him, like always. We let them lie in there and relax for about ten minutes, don't we, Pat? That's right, Lieutenant. That's the way it works. Mary left him and went over to start on Mr. Wells. That's right, Lieutenant. She did. Mary's a pretty strong girl, isn't she, Mr. Wells? Yeah, she could break break your neck. Oh, now, wait a minute, Lieutenant. You think she could, Mr. Wells? She's pretty strong, I guess, but she wouldn't do that. Any one of us could have gone in that back booth at one time or another, Lieutenant. You found him, didn't you, Miss Stenz? Yes. Do you usually go back to see how your customers are? Sometimes. Sometimes I go to sleep and the girl left him's too busy with someone else, so I wake him up. Next girl, Lillian Wooster. Yes, I went back by that booth several times. Why? Once to make Mr. Green some coffee. You're black and strong. She brought it to me. And the other times? Once to get some hair for me, and later to get a clean comb. A clean comb for him? Don't laugh. I got a few left. Look, up here on top, see? You're fairly new here, aren't you, Lillian? Three weeks. How'd you know that, Rex? Well, I completed my treatments last month. Lillian wasn't here then. You mean you... Now, now, now. People laugh at psychiatrists, too, Walt, and some of them end up playing canasta with Lady Macbeth. We were rejuvenating his spit curls. Thank you, Patricia Stenz. They've been spitting better than ever. All right, all right. You, you're the last girl. What's your name? Nancy Cummings, Lieutenant. The last girl in her story was no different than the others. Yes, she had left her customer and walked down the hall past the last booth. No, she had not slipped in and popped Mr. John Wiley's neck while he lay resting. The coroner arrived and the whole party went down to the precinct to sign formal statements. They were then all released and sent home pending further investigation. I took Pat home to her apartment. Don't you drink, Rick? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Water? Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't kill him, did you, Pat? Don't be silly. It was growing hair. Kill off my advertising? Here. Thanks. You got any ideas, sir? No. How long has John Wiley been coming to the shop? Oh, about six months. What do you know about him? Not much. He was a wolf. By your standards or Kenzie's? He got grabby occasionally. Put him straight. Know what business he was in? Well, whatever it was, he had a lot of money. Big tippers. Oh, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes, just a minute, Lieutenant. See you, Rick. Thanks. Hello, Fatty. I got something on the dead man. Got a record. Blackmail. Oh? Know where he lives? We're checking. Now, wait a minute. Pat, you wouldn't by any chance know where John Wiley lived, would you? Well, I sent a bill to him every month. I've got a duplicate set of books here in the apartment. I'll uh, get the address. Well, Pat's got his address. I found something else in his personal effects. Key to a safety deposit box. Otis is checking to find out which bank. Well, we should at least have the answer by doomsday. Here's the address, Rick. John Wiley. 709 East 45th Street. I told Walt I'd meet him in Wiley's place. Down my drink, gave Pat a pat, and a half hour later, we were tearing Mr. John Wiley's apartment to pieces. Nothing. No? Well, I, I at least turned up a kazoo. Grab a comb and some tissue paper. We'll do a fast course of swanny. Hey. No tissue paper? No, here's a date calendar. Good, good. Maybe we've been working on a holiday. Here's her name, Nancy. That comes after April, doesn't it? Same name on some of the other pages here. The 28th, Nancy, 6 o'clock. Again on the 22nd, Nancy, 8 o'clock. Again on the 18th and, and, and the 12th. Hey, one of the girls who works at Pat's is named Nancy. Yeah, I know it. Well, do you think we should go over and see her or sit down around a card table, hold hands, and make her pop out of the wall? 
You know, someday I'm going to get very mad at you, Rick. Only when you find somebody prettier. Come on, Grazia. Let's go over and see Nancy Cummings. Ah, here's her apartment. She lives with that new girl. Lindy Wooster? Yeah. And stop flexing your claws. Who is it? Ah, please. Yep. Open up or we'll huff and we'll puff and we'll... My, what big noises you make, Grandma. The better to scare the man out of your closet, my dear. But we'd like to talk to you, Miss Cummings. Certainly, Lieutenant. Come in. I was just making some lemonade. Would you like some? Oh, thanks. It's pretty hot out. Maybe you'd like something stronger? Uh, lemonade's fine. I- I'm on duty. Uh, he's on duty. You better give him some torpedo juice. Miss Cummings, uh, you didn't tell us that you had dated John Wiley. Would you like the lemonade, sweet lieutenant? Uh, medium. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. You never asked me if I dated John Wiley. The lieutenant found your name written on Wiley's date book. I've been out with him six, seven times, I think. Know what his business was? He never discussed it. Ever meet any of his friends? No. Did he ever mention any of the other girls in the shop? No, I don't think so. Mm. You, uh, you live with Lillian Wooster, don't you? That's right. Hey, who's, uh, whose picture is that on the piano? Lillian's father. You still don't have any idea why anyone would want to kill Wiley? No. How did Lillian Wooster happen to move in with you? I asked her to. When she went to work for Pat, she was living in a terrible place. One small room. I told her she could come in with me and share the rent. Well, how well did she know John Wiley? She'd seen him at the shop, seen him here when he came to pick me up. Where's Lillian now? Shopping, I think. Well, thanks, Miss Cummings. We'll be talking with you again. More lemonade? Or later, maybe. When things start getting a little hotter. Before we continue with the adventures of Richard Diamond, private detective, here's your Rexall family druggist. Here's an important fact about Rexall aspirin I'd like you listeners to remember. It's simply this. There's no faster-acting aspirin made. Oh, but what do you mean by fast acting? Well, ma'am, aspirin itself is too fine to hold together in tablet form, so it has to be bound with an ingredient that will quickly disintegrate, that is, break up the tablet, so the aspirin itself will immediately be free to do its job. Well, you mean the aspirin can't go to work until the tablet breaks up? Exactly. And that's why Rexall scientists developed a binder so low in moisture content it begins to break up the very second it touches water. Now, that means that when swallowed with water, the five full grains of pure aspirin in every Rexall aspirin tablet are ready to go to work for you even before they reach your stomach. Well, that's fast enough for me. And it's fast enough for 10,000 family druggists, too. Quality like that is what we're talking about when we tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. And now back to tonight's adventure with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. Three in the afternoon, out of Nancy's cool apartment and down in the blistering street. The thermometer crowding ninety, and the humidity sticking to us like a steaming blanket. I feel awful. A terrible day to solve a murder. Yeah. I want to go look through some newspaper files. What for? That picture on the piano. Lillian Worcester's father? Mm-hmm. I've seen that someplace before. News story connected with it. Uh, I'll drop you off. I gotta get back and see if Otis has found the safety deposit box that fits John Wiley's key. Walt dropped me off at the newspaper and I went down to the morgue file to do some hunting. 
The air conditioning made the job easier, and by 4 o'clock, I walked into Walt's office with an interesting bit of information. We found the bank and the safety deposit box. Oh? Anything turn up? Wiley was doing some pretty fancy blackmailing. Here's a bundle of evidence and a list of names. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can understand why someone would pay to keep these out of circulation. Lousy photography. Uh, what did you find out? Well, here. Newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. Oh. Picture of Lillian Wester's father. Same picture as the, the one on the piano. Ah, prominent banker leaps to death. William Baker. William Baker? The girl's name is Worcester. That's what she calls herself. William Baker. Give me that list we got out of the deposit box. I've just been looking at it. William Baker's name is on here, all right. That clipping I just gave you mentions that he left a daughter and a wife. Well, let's go pick up Lillian Worcester or Baker or whatever her name is. Well, it might not have meant a thing, but at least we had found one person who had a strong connection with John Wiley other than socially. The girl who called herself Lillian Wooster was the daughter of one William Baker, deceased, and one of John Wiley's blackmail victims. We climbed to the squad car and hurried back to Nancy Cummings' apartment where Lillian Wooster lived as roommate. Let's go. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What's wrong? Hold it. Lillian Wooster coming out of the building. All right, we pick her up on the street. Uh, the doorman's hailing a cab for her. Let's see where she's going. Wouldn't it be easier to just ask her? Oh, stop trying to ruin my afternoon. There's nothing more relaxing than the pleasant drive through quiet, peaceful little old Manhattan. We started tailing Lillian Wooster's cab across town, along the river, and across the George Washington Bridge. She's headed for Jersey. Oh, you looked at your compass. That's not fair. We kept going through Hackensack, past the outskirts, and on out Route 17. Pretty expensive cab ride. Pretty expensive makes it pretty important. We kept following like that. Lillian's cab a good quarter of a mile ahead, so she wouldn't notice us. They're turning off on that road. Oh, you're absolutely amazing, Fatty. I probably would have missed it completely. Oh! We took the road to the right off the highway and spotted the cab up ahead, pulling into the entrance of a large white building. The sign over the tall iron gate read, Woodview Sanitarium. She's getting out of the cab and going in. Uh, where till she gets inside. Then let's go up there and find out who Lillian Wooster is visiting in the Woodview Sanitarium. Yeah? Something I can do for you? I'm looking for a girl. You know, honey, something that doesn't look like a man. Now you stay out of this, Diamond. Don't you start getting me confused again. He gets confused? At the drop of a hat. Watch, I'll drop my hat. Now, you stop that. He doesn't like it, does he? Oh, it nearly drives him with... <clears throat> now, you, you understand. Yes, of course. Where are you going? I think you better talk with Dr. Gerson. All right, run him out. Temper, 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 temper. Rick, I swear if you don't stop these confounded routines. Routines? Well, you know what I'm talking about. Who's on first base? Oh, don't you know who's on first? Huh? I'm Dr. Gerson. Uh, my friend here is given to uh, mass demonstrations in the aisle. Oh, shut up, Rick. I'm Lieutenant Levinson. I'll bet you're with the cavalry. 
You get wise with me, Mac, and I'll bust you one. Extreme persecution complex ever since Uncle Julius took away his mandolin. Well, we have some lovely mandolins here, Lieutenant. I am Lieutenant Levinson, New York Police. Now, 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 it's more fun in the cavalry. Maybe you'd think it was more fun in a cell. Well, it's wonderful. We have some very nice ones. Let me show you. Now, listen, I am Lieutenant Levinson, New York Police, 5th Precinct Homicide. And if you don't lay off this foolishness to help me, I'll tear you limb from limb. I'll get some help. You won't get anybody. Get away from that phone. Look, I I, I think you better uh, let him tell you why he's here. Will you calm him down? I'm here trying to catch a girl. A wreck. That's right. He's here trying to catch a girl. Certainly. Why don't we all try and catch one? Look, would you do me a favor, friend? Why, of course, Lieutenant. Take a look at those credentials. Certainly. Oh, my goodness. I'm afraid he's a real policeman. I need no help from you, Mr. Diamond. Grouchy. Oh, my goodness. Satisfied? Well, yes. Aren't you a little out of your territory, Lieutenant? I am not making an arrest. <laughs> Just trying to catch a girl. I am following a girl. She may be a murderer. She came in here a few minutes you ago. You mean Miss Baker? Then Baker is her right name? Who's she seeing? Her mother. What's wrong with her mother? Mrs. Baker is seriously ill. Have anything to do with her husband's suicide? Everything to do with it? I doubt Mrs. Baker will ever recover. We went back out of the car and tried to put it all together. Lillian's father had jumped off a roof. He was being blackmailed and couldn't take it. The shock had driven Mrs. Baker into a permanent breakdown. And John Wiley had been responsible for the whole thing. Motive enough for Lillian to get a job with Pat Sten so she could get her hands on John Wiley's neck. We waited until Lillian's cab turned out of the driveway and headed back to New York. We stayed close, watched her get off at her apartment. Then we went over to see Pat Stenz. You going to get a hair treatment tomorrow, Rick? That's right, honey. I, I want you to be sure that Lillian takes care of me. Did she do it, Rick? I, uh, I think so. But why? She seemed like such a nice girl. Well, she had pretty good reason. But we need a confession, and Rick's got an idea how to get it. I want Lillian working on me through the whole treatment. Especially when I get on the vibrating table. Your scalp looks pretty good, Mr. Diamond. Oh, it's been itching a little. Ah, uh, losing any? Mm, some. Hi. Oh, uh, hello, Pat. His hair looks pretty good, Miss Dan. Let's see. Hmm. Um, use both solutions. Okay. I'll see you later, Rick. Nice girl, Pat. Very nice. Have you found out anything about Mr. Wiley's death? Oh, the police have got a few ideas. The lieutenant wants to see your roommate. Nancy told me. I hope you don't suspect her. She rather liked Mr. Wiley. She wouldn't have any reason to kill him. All right. Let's go down to the uh, other booth. Huh? You mean uh, you're going to stick me on that vibrating table? Not if you don't want to. Well, full treatment. That's what I came here for. Let's go. You don't mind going in there, do you? No. Why should I? Oh, some people are funny about rooms where a murder's been committed. It doesn't bother me, Mr. Diamond. Give him a good rub and let him relax for about ten minutes, Lillian. Yes, Miss Jens. All right, up on your back. Slide down, okay? Uh, all right, yeah. Okay. What did you do before you went to work for Pat, Lillian? Oh, not much. 
went to school, finally decided to look for a job and found this one. Ever study this sort of thing? No, there's really not much to it. Pat shows us how to wash, apply the formulas, and rub the neck and shoulders. And all you need is a strong pair of arms, huh? I guess so. Your family live in New York? No. Oh, I noticed the picture of your father on Nancy's piano. A fine-looking man. He's dead now. Sorry. So am I. Mother still living? No. Oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I loving too hard? It's okay, it's okay. Well, you've got the strength for the job. Did the police find out anything about Mr. Wiley? Yeah, he was a blackmailer. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm a little nervous today. Maybe I'd better get one of the other girls. No, 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 no. That's okay. I'll just, just a little tied up next to... Yeah, kind of nervous. I guess I keep thinking about Wiley and his broken neck. Think I might break yours, Mr. Diamond? Well, it wouldn't be hard. If I was good and relaxed, you could snap it in a minute. I guess I could. So Mr. Wiley was a blackmailer? Yeah. I had a record. They're the foulest people on earth. They certainly are. You think he was blackmailing someone here in the shop? Well, not necessarily. Well, if he wasn't, then no one in the shop would have a motive for killing him. Well, I've got a theory about that. I think someone in the shop hated him so much they waited until no one was looking and the girl was out of his booth. And they slipped in on him and twisted his neck until it broke. Why would they hate him that much if he wasn't blackmailing them? Oh, somebody else he might have blackmailed. Someone very close and dear to the killer. Maybe the person while he was blackmailing couldn't stand it and committed suicide. Interesting theory. Take your family, for instance. Ouch. Sorry. You weren't relaxing. Uh, supposing Wiley was blackmailing a member of your family, your father, for instance. I can't rub your neck unless you relax more. Maybe your father couldn't take him. Maybe he couldn't pay him anymore. Instead of disgracing his family, he committed suicide. Just turn your head a little to the side, Mr. Diamond. Yeah. Better? Much. Well, if that happened to my family, Mr. Diamond, I guess I'd kill Mr. Wiley and not mind it a bit. Think of the shark. I even put the wife in a sanitarium. It probably would. Uh, how did your father die, Lillian? He jumped off the roof. Now, if you'll turn your head a little more, I'll try to pop your vertebra. Uh, we followed you out to Jersey yesterday, Lillian. I'm going to adjust your neck, Mr. Diamond. It's better if you relax so it won't hurt. Well, if you wanted to, you could pop it anyway. I couldn't stop you in time. I don't guess you could. There. Now the other side. No. Did you kill John Wiley? Yes. Relax. <laughs> All right, Mr. Johnny. Let's go down to the police station. Again, here's your Rexall family druggist. If you're looking for a way to save money on drugstore needs, buy Rexall MI-31, the triple-action antiseptic that makes an ideal mouthwash, a soothing gargle, and an effective breath deodorant. What's more, Rexall gives you a full pint of this quality product at the same price as other leading brands of smaller quantity, 
Ask for Rexall MI-31 at any Rexall drugstore. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, stars Dick Powell in the title role and is written by Blake Edwards with music composed and conducted by Frank Worth. Featured in tonight's cast were Mary Jane Croft, Ted DeCorcia, Wilms Herbert, Virginia Gregg, B. Benaderet, and Larry Dobkin. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. This is Bill Foreman inviting you to be with us next Wednesday at this time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hiya, beautiful. Get lost, Bristlepuss. You need a shave. But I have shaved. What else do you want me to do? Silly boy, she wants you to go stag. Go stag? But why? Because stag is Rexall's exclusive line of men's good grooming aids, like stag brushless shave cream. No fuss, no massage, just smooth it on, and presto, you get a clean, close shave. Your face stays smooth and whiskerless all day long. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll go stag. That's it. Join the stag line now at Rexall Drugstores Everywhere. Yes, to make girls care, go stag. <laughs> This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Richard Diamond, Private Eye, was a vehicle for the star of the show, Dick Powell. Powell was a very popular singer, but he branched out into acting, most notably starring in the movie Murder, My Sweet, as Detective Philip Marlowe. Richard Diamond, the radio show, is not this type of Raymond Chandler film noir detective. Diamond is a wise-cracking private detective, similar to Johnny Dollar. This radio show lasted from 1949 to 1953. The show has some ties to more modern Hollywood. It was written by Blake Edwards of Pink Panther fame. Ed Begley, father of Ed Begley Jr., played the dim-witted police officer Walt Levinson. And Mary Tyler Moore was in the Richard Diamond television show. Actually, just her legs were, but that's a story for her to tell you. There are some more serious episodes, and there are some more action-packed ones, but this episode is pretty indicative of the series. Diamond stumbles across a case, he makes some smart Alec remarks, he has a foil to work his funny lines against, and as an aside, thank God for the bumbling police. I have no idea where old-time radio would be if the police were all like Sergeant Joe Friday of Dragnet. Then Diamond figures out the crime. Usually he sings to his girlfriend at the end of the show, but in this episode, that type of ending just would not have felt right. Dick Powell also starred in the old-time radio program Rogue's Gallery, which coincidentally will be up for sale in the comic web shortly, probably by the time you hear this podcast. I guess the lesson for all of us to take from this episode is that, thankfully, with modern technology, we can take Rogaine from the safety of our own homes now, and we don't have to go to baldness salons. I'm guessing baldness salons were an L.A. thing back then, because I sure never heard of them. And on that note, here's the Comic Web Radio Secret Society code. 17 5 19 19 28 7 just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society, 
Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, and a certificate of membership, and now 15% off any purchase at the Comic Web. The code again is 17519191287. As thanks, as always, thanks for listening. If you have any comments for us, please drop us an email at editor at comicweb.com. Thanks and have a good week.